Good morning, everybody. Why don't you uh, get your Bibles out and your journals. If you have something to write on, if you don't have something you write in, then use that worship guide and uh, take some notes. We're going to turn in our Bibles. The first place we're going to, why don't you go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Today is the kickoff day for 40 days in the Word. 40 days in the Word, all right? So some of you know what this is all about. We're going to spend 40 days, six weeks as a church, leading up to Easter, focusing our attention, engaging our lives on the Scripture and the Word of God. And so I want all of you to be involved in this because this is a, this is a big thing that our church is doing, and there's really a couple of reasons for it. And, and the reasons are, number one, um, I, I think we've got to lift the level of understanding and literacy, Bible literacy, in our community and in our culture here in Austin. So many people, even believers, Christians who've been, really, they, they trust in God, they, they know who Jesus is, but they don't know their Bible well enough. And it, and it really is um, a sad, sad thing when you don't know your Bible well enough to fend off the fiery darts of the enemy. And so we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to lift our level of literacy and know what the Bible says and, and what it's all about and, and how it works. And uh, when you're having a discussion with people at work or with people who are really struggling and wondering and, and looking for an answer or a solution, you need to be able to quote the scriptures and, and know why it's reliable. We're going to go through that over the next 40 days. And so there's four components. Four components, really five components to this 40 days in the Word, and I want to I review them with you. Can, you. can you go with me on this? All right, so 40 days uh, in the Word over the next six weeks leading up to Easter. Um, there's three goals, all right? Three goals. Here's what they are. You, you, we're going to learn to love, to learn, and to live the Scriptures. Love, learn, and live the Word of God. We've got to love God's words to us. We've got to understand them, and then we really can't just hear them and get them inside of us. We actually have to act on them. And so it's a really important idea. So there's going to be five components. Here it is, six messages over the next six weeks. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to share with you. And you can bring friends, or you can bring other people who are interested in these ideas. But the first idea is going to be an inspiration of the Scripture, the scripture inspires us, it, it's inspired by God, and it inspires us. And so we're going to talk about how can I trust the Bible? Can I really trust this, the, these books? Can I really trust these letters? Can I really trust what the Bible says for my life? And we'll ask that question and answer it. It is reasonable to trust the Bible. A lot of Christians are embarrassed to say that they believe the Bible because there's been such an assault on the scriptures. But we'll talk about that uh, next week. Number two, the foundation of the scriptures. What is the purpose of the Bible? What's the overarching theme of the scripture? What does it say to you and to me? What is God's story in the scripture? Number three, illumination. We'll talk about how we can see what God wants us to see. Have you ever read a, a scripture, and as you're reading it, you maybe have read it hundreds of times before, and all of a sudden, you realize there's something new there? There's something that comes alive to you from the page. That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about how that happens to us with the scriptures. Number four, we're going to talk about inter interpretation. How do I know what the Bible really means? What's the interpretation? What's the correct interpretation of the Bible? There's a lot of people that will say things like, oh, um, 
well, that's just your interpretation, as if all interpretations are somehow uh, legitimate. Actually, there's a correct way to interpret the Bible, and there are incorrect ways to interpret the Bible. And so we, we have to understand what that is. How do I know what it means? How, what does it say to me? How can I interpret it? There are respected interpretations of Scripture, and there are interpretations of Scripture that are not respected. Talk about that. Number five will be integration, fifth week, all right? We'll talk about how do I integrate God's word into my life? How do I, how do I really take what the Bible says and apply it to my work life? How do I apply it to my family relationships, my marriage? What does the Bible have to say about marriage? What does the Bible have to say about raising my kids? What about, what about all of my relationships? What about my finances? Does the Bible have anything to say about my finances? See, there's something. The Bible, <clears throat> the Bible has, has solutions. The Bible has insight into God's wiring for you, how you're designed and how you're made, and, and gives us understanding about that. We integrate it into our lives. Number six, sixth week, finally, we will provide really a training on application. How can I use God's word effectively? How can I use it to make decisions? What about, what about defeating temptation? You know, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days by the devil himself. And he answered every one of those temptations by quoting the scriptures. It's so sad when believers don't know the scriptures well enough to push back on the enemy of their souls. You know, they can say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, but really you need to understand why what the enemy's telling you is not true, why it's a lie, why it's creating fear in your life. And the Bible has the answers for that. And so how to help others, the Bible gives us understanding about that, how to find comfort in the midst of grief or trial. And so those are the ideas we're going to talk about over the next six weeks, and I want, you to, I want you to come, I want you to engage, I want you to bring other people, and so those messages, but that's not all we're going to do, it's not just a Sunday thing, it's also going to be uh, a time where we gather together in groups in our homes across the city, and so we're going to do six small group Bible studies, we're not just going to do it here on Sunday. We're going to actually put it in our homes, and we're going to sit, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to share together. And one thing I, I want you to know, um, we're not the only ones doing this. 40 Days in the Word is a campaign that was started by Rick Warren and Saddleback Church. And actually, right now, it's just a brand new thing that, that, that they've released uh, from Saddleback Resources, which is a, a blessing to all of us who are, who are doing work in in cities in America, we're, we're raising up people and trying to train and encourage and challenge people in their life with Christ. Um, I'm so grateful for resources like this, but here's, here's the thing. There's 6,900 other churches doing this right now. 6,900 other churches going through 40 days in the Word. And so it's really a cool thought to, to think that we're, we're going through this at the same time that other churches and other uh, pastors are leading their congregations through it. And so I want, you to, I want you to embrace this idea because we have some really cool resources. Here is a workbook. This is the workbook that we're going to go through over six weeks. It's got six individual lessons in it. I'm going to give these to you. These are, these are expensive, but your tithes and offerings have paid for th this stuff. 
And I believe that the church ought to be a place where you get stuff. And, I, and, thus, and thus, I think we all need to obey the scriptures. See, giving tithes and offerings is an obedience and love issue. It's not a transaction between you and the church. It's about you and God. And we, as we obey the scriptures like that, and we give and offer everything that we have, but we give our tithes and offerings, this kind of stuff can happen easily if we all are willing to do that. So uh, there's going to be a, a group near you, near your home. There's 45 groups that we have already that are studying different topics. And what's going to happen is we're going to change most of them, almost all of them, are going to switch to this material. And it's going to be a, a DVD and a workbook. And so there'll be a DVD. You'll watch a little lesson. Um, and then you'll, you'll turn and you'll begin to have a discussion and fill in the workbook material. It'll be really valuable to you. And here's what I want to say, is there's a bunch of you that are hosting special groups for this 40 Days in the Word, and we need more of you to do it. I want as many of you as, will, are, as are willing to, to bring people, invite people into your home, get them to come over and do this DVD series. Listen, you don't have to, you don't have, to have the theology degree to host this in your home. All you have to know how to do is push play. Make some snacks, you know, let people eat a little bit, and then, and then go through this discussion. All the materials right here, it leads you right through it. And so I want you to do that. If you, if you want to lead a group, you could still get in a group, and you could still lead a group. You could go upstairs today. They're passing out all the materials today for, for group leaders. And if you're thinking to yourself, man, I really want to do that, and I have some friends that could do that with me, then go upstairs, and they'll give you the whole packet. They'll give you several of these workbooks and the DVD, and you can start the process. So, so you can go up there and, and get some material and take it home and be a, become a host this week, all right? Everybody got it? Say, got it. Okay, then the next thing we're going to do, so that's the two things, messages, groups, and then there's Bible study verses <laughs> that you're going to memorize. Six verses that we're all going to memorize together. We're going to know them by heart. We're going to embrace them so that we can bring them to our mind. We're going to challenge one another to memorize and meditate on these verses. And then there's going to be 40 daily devotionals. Now, you and I, as one chapel, have been really studying, uh, uh, really reading every day the one-year Bible. That's what we're, we're kind of engaging in as a community. And we're going to keep doing the one-year Bible. And there's going to be, what we're going to do is provide some devotionals on a verse from the one-year daily Bible reading, and it'll be online at onechapel.com. And you'll be able to go there and look at that devotional if you want to. It'll just encourage you in your life in, in reading the Bible. And then uh, there's going to be all kinds of other resources at uh, www.40ditw.com. That's... Uh, a bunch of other video resources and other things that you can use, um, 40daysintheword.com. And so uh, all of that is going to happen. And those are four things we're going to do. And then there's going to be a fifth thing, which is a project, a service project, that each of your, each of your groups are going to come up with on their own to actually live out the Word of God, to actually do something. Not just to get together in a group and study it, but then to lift your eyes and see people in need and do something together to make a difference in somebody else's life. Doesn't that sound like an awesome plan? So here's, here, so here's the deal. I, I, think, I think each of us 
hesitate sometimes to, to be engaged with things like this. We're, we're so busy. There's um, a lot going in in our lives, uh, going on in our lives. And I just, I feel like there's a hesitation a lot of times. But really, the Bible is all about how God invades people's lives, transforms them, and then uses them. Many, many Christians I know have, they struggle thinking that they can be used by God. They think they're, they're really not worthy or they're not capable, that they've got problems and baggage that they bring along, and that somehow disqualifies them from being used by God. Can I tell you that's a lie of the devil? Every one of you can be used by God. I mean, look at the scriptures. The entire story of the Bible is about God using really lousy people, really, really painfully awful people. In some cases, I mean, I've, I found this thing the other day. Uh, the other day, when I was looking through my my notes and I was preparing, and I found this little list called "No Excuses." No excuses. It talks about all the people in the Bible that God worked with. And the next time you feel like God can't use you, I want you to remember something. This is the message of the Bible. The Bible tells this story. Look at this. God uses these people. Look at it. Noah was a drunk. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar and a deceiver. Leah was ugly. <laughs> oh, poor Leah. There's hope for you. Joseph, Joseph was abused. Think about it. Joseph was abused by his brothers. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair. <laughs> Andy was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. The man the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. Elijah was suicidal, always depressed. Isaiah preached naked. I know, it's crazy. There's no chance of that happening here. Jonah, Jonah ran from God. He ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was, well, you know, Mary Magdalene. She was a woman of ill repute. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> so no more excuses for you. Every one of you can be used by God. Every one of you can be used by his hand and can minister and can, can invest in another person, can invest in your family. God wants to breathe into you. He wants to change you, mold you, shape you, make you into something awesome. So today... We're going to talk about how the Word of God has an impact on us, all right, has an impact on us. And so let's begin with prayer. 
Father, thank you so much for the word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the truth that gets into us, that fills us with light and life. Today, I pray as we read it, that we would listen carefully, that we would hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount with this story. He said there were two guys, and they each were building a house. And as they built their houses, one built a house on a rock, built a house on something firm, a firm foundation, and the other man built his house on sinking sand. And when the rains came and the floods rose and the storms came and beat against the house, the one stood firm and the other collapsed with a great crash. One collapsed, the other stood firm. Jesus finishes this story by saying these words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, what does that say? Say it, practice. is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The title of the message today is Building My Life on the Rock. How do we build our lives on the rock? How do we build our lives on what the Bible says? And we're going to do that today by looking at James chapter 1. But before you do that, I just want to highlight what James says. When we look at what we're supposed to do with the Bible, I think it's helpful, it's instructive to think about how you're wired, how you and I are made by God. That we have five senses, five senses. The five senses are, are hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. These five senses are kind of how we're wired. And it would make sense to ask the question, how can we get the scriptures to live in each one of those senses? How can we, how can we apply the scriptures to the way we experience the rest of the world, the way we experience things in our lives. So I want to take that and I want to show you how James does this. And, and it's, it's true that some people try to build their life on the foundation of other people's opinions. Tries to build their lives on um, friendships, on culture. Some of them try to build their life on their family. There's always heartbreak and disappointment when you build your life on anything other than the unchanging truth of the word of God. Look at James chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to read it together. Here's what it says. It says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed in what he does. 
The first way that I build my life on the rock, on the scripture, is I receive it with my ears. I receive it with my ears. I hear what God is saying to me through the scripture, and I receive it. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Listening, listening to what God wants to say through the scriptures. Notice what it says. Everyone should be, I want you to use your pen. I want you to underline some words here. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. No, it doesn't mean speak slower. It means don't speak as much as you're willing to hear. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. There's something really powerful about this when he says, quick to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, keyword, accept. Underline that word. Accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This word right here in the, in the Greek term, it's dekomai, and it means to receive someone, to receive a stranger, to welcome someone into your home. It has that meaning. And so what this is saying is you've got to accept the word. You've got to be wide open. You've got to say to God, okay, whatever your word says, that's what I'm going to take. I'm going to hear what you're saying. I've got an attitude of acceptance. Receiving the word is often compared to planting in the Bible. And so there's a seed that is planted in our hearts. When the word goes in, you know, when you tend a garden, you tend it and you till the soil, you pull the weeds out, you put some fertilizer on it, you make sure that everything's really good so that, so that when the seed goes in, it can be fed, it can be nurtured. That's a lot different than my yard at home. <laughs> I pretty much just uh, cut that sucker, put some water on it from time to time. Consequently, in my backyard, there's a whole bunch of weeds. There's a whole bunch of bad things growing. There's a difference. There's a difference when we understand that there must be some preparation. There must be some acceptance. The seed goes in and depending on what the soil looks like, you get different results. So you think about the people that are ready to receive, people who are not ready to receive. There's two different things. You can have the same message. The same message is going forth. Both people hear it. One says, oh, that was so awesome. God really spoke to me. I couldn't believe that in the scripture. And the other person's like, eh, it wasn't that good. What's the difference? It could be that the difference is the soil, the person and how they received it. One was blessed, one didn't get anything. Heart preparation. So how do you prepare your heart? Let me give you some coaching on how to prepare your heart. Number one, this verse says you gotta be quiet. You gotta listen. Stop speaking. My wife tells me sometimes, Ross, if you're talking, you're not listening to me. At least I think that's what she said. There's a thing here about being quiet, about being willing to listen. Notice what he says, quick to listen, slow to speak. Quieting your heart. 
things, all the things that go on in our lives is more and more difficult, more and more difficult in our society, in our culture. If you got a phone that connects you to the rest of the world, <laughs> you can do anything on your phone. You can order anything on your phone. It can be at your door in 24 hours, sometimes less. There's something, it just comes upon us. And so finding a quiet place is not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about quieting your mind and closing your mouth and listening. Second idea is calm. Notice what he says. He says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did you know you don't listen very much when you're angry? If you've ever had a fight with your spouse, you're angry and you're upset and you're emotionally distraught and you're having this discussion and you're not listening to anything that she's saying to you. Notice how I put that on me and you, men. There's something about calming our emotions, being, having a relaxed attitude increases our receptiveness. How do you calm your mind and your heart? How do you get reception from God? You've got to allow God to take charge of your emotions, of your heart. Emotions aren't bad, emotions aren't evil, but they do need to be submitted and surrendered to Christ. Some of you rushed frantically to get to church today. And you rushed in and you were just, it's all you could do to get all the kids ready. And you were like, like yelling at them in the car on your way. And you're like, shut up. And then you got in here and you're like, okay, I'm here. Now give me the word. Okay, God, speak to me. You're kind of missing the point. There's got to be a calming. Did you know that, did you know that listening, listening lowers your blood pressure. Speaking lifts your blood pressure. Isn't that interesting? So you got to be quiet, you got to be calm, you got to be clean. Look what the verse says. It says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Before seeding, you got to do some weeding. Before the seed goes in, you got to pull some weeds out. What's the filth? You know, the, the root word, filth, okay, in the original language. You know, what it's, you know what it means? You know what it can be used for? It can be used for earwax. That's that gross stuff on the end of the Q-tip. You got to clean out the earwax from your ear. Clean out all the filth for you to hear what God wants to say to you. Sin blocks hearing from God. And so there is something that we need to do. Get that, all, this, all the sound that God is wanting to give you, all that he's wants, wanting you to hear. You got to take that stuff out of your ears and all that filth and then the evil that so easily gets in front of you, so, so prevalent in your life. Anything you know that is not right in our lives, that's what we've got to get rid of. How do you do that? How do you get rid of sin? You get rid of it with repentance and confession. Have you ever noticed how people struggle sometimes, Christians, believers, people who are kind of on the fringe, they, they know about God and they know the, enough of the Bible, but they, they, they just think to themselves, all right, I've sinned, and they avoid God for the next several days until they can kind of clean up their act. 
and clearly can do several more right things. They ignore God. They just don't want to deal with it. They're too embarrassed. They're too ashamed. They're too afraid. And so they just kind of go on their way until they get their life kind of back on track. And then they're willing to talk to God. You ever experienced that? Can I suggest to you that that is not the gospel? That that is bad news. That is thinking in your mind, I've got to get myself right before I can go to God and deal with him. God is not intimidated by your sin. He is not intimidated by the mess of your life. In fact, the best thing you can do is turn to him immediately in the face of sin and the thing, the mistake or the foolishness that you've gotten involved in and say, God, please forgive me. I confess. I love what Pastor Brent said. I agree that I'm helpless without you. I agree that I'm, I'm full of shame and full of disgrace unless you come in and save me, rescue me. Listen, all you got to do is confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, and God is faithful and just and will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Don't wait three or four or five, six days, three weeks, four months, and then finally come back to church one day. That is the road that is painful. Turn to him immediately and allow him to speak into your life. He's not afraid. He's waiting. That's how you deal with that. That's how you become clean. And then finally, number four, how do you hear? You, you humble yourself. You, the way you get reception is you humble and accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You humble yourself. You humbly accept the word, you're, which means, here's what it means. You're ready to do whatever the word says. You're ready to do whatever the Bible says to, to do. You don't think you know better. You think the Bible knows better. Oh, yeah, I know the Bible says that, but really, you know, financially, we needed to live together. I know we're not married yet, but really, you know, just I, we needed to make sure that we had our apartment and everything. So, eh. You know what that is? That's not being humble. That's thinking you know better than God knows. We do it all the time. Humble yourself before the Lord and, and do what the Scripture tells you to do, and then you can begin to hear it. You gotta approach it. You gotta approach it with humility. But we can't just hear the word of God, right? Did you know that 95% of what I'm gonna say today, you're gonna forget? In like 72 hours, it's gone, totally gone. Maybe 5%. Unless you write it down and then the percentage goes up. Sorry, then the percentage goes down of forgetting. Which is why I ask you to write stuff down. But so we can't just hear the word of God. We got to do some other things. We, the second way that I build my life on the Bible is I read it with my eyes. I use my eyes and I read it consistently. Look what he says in verse 22 in James 1. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all he does. To be blessed, you gotta, you got to look intently. Say those words with me. Look intently. You have to be willing to look intently into the scripture. God's word is like a mirror. It's like a mirror that you look into. Have you seen yourself in the Bible lately? 
you look into the Bible and you begin to see yourself. Every one of you came this morning, and before you came to church, when you got up this morning, you looked in a mirror, most likely. Most of you, it appears that you have. And what did you do when you looked in the mirror? You looked in the mirror and you were like checking yourself out and you were assessing the damage of the night before, <laughs> right? The, 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 the black circles under your eyes and the messy hair and you used a comb or a brush or at least you put something in your hair. Some of you put on makeup and, and uh, you know, some people wonder if makeup's a sin. No, it's not a sin. It's a total blessing. And... Um, <laughs> Now, except for my wife. My wife's just beautiful, just the way she comes. There is, she doesn't need that stuff. But there are many others who do, do and um, did you know that, uh, <laughs> this is an interesting idea. Queen Elizabeth, in her older years, took away all of the mirrors out of Buckingham Palace because she'd lost her beauty and she didn't want to look anymore. Christians sometimes act, sometimes act this way. They, they, they realize there's something wrong, but they don't, they don't look in the mirror where they can actually get help, where they can actually find their way. God's word reflects what I look like on the inside. It reflects to you what you look like on the inside. That's what the Bible does. And there's two ways to look in a mirror, right? Two ways to look in the mirror. One is you can glance. You can kind of look at it casually. Do you ever, you ever watch Happy Days when you were a kid? Like some of you, some of you have seen the reruns, Happy Days, that has the fawns. What did he do? He came to a mirror. He comes to the mirror and he's like, hey. That's what some of us try to do with looking in the Bible. We just kind of glance at it. We just kind of have our quiet time and occasionally glance and rush through. Lord, I've got 10 minutes. Okay, good, all right. Listen, if 10 minutes is all you got, good, check it out. But really what the Bible tells us to do is to look intently. It asks us to gaze intently, to look at the details. God wants us to gaze on and not just glance at his word. That's why the one-year Bible reading is so important. That's why filling your life with that Bible every single day is your opportunity to gaze, to think about, to explore the details. The third way you build your life on the rock, build your life on the scriptures, is you research it with your hands and your mouth. Research it with your hands and your mouth. There's a difference between reading the Bible and actually studying it. Here's what Bible study requires. It's very simple. All that Bible study requires to get started is you've got to write down what you've learned. You begin to study and begin to write it. You begin to, you begin to write out what is being spoken and then talking about what you've learned with a group of people. That's why... That's why these small groups are so important. That's why finding a connect group to meet with people once a week is so valuable to us because we begin to talk about what the Bible speaks to us. We begin to research it with others. We begin to dig deeper. We begin to write down what, what he's telling us. And we're gonna talk about how to do this over the next six weeks. Look at what John 5, 39 says. It says, you search the scriptures because you believe they give you eternal life. This is what Jesus, and he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, but he says, and the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to me, this is Jesus talking. 
Can I suggest to you that the scriptures are simply to reveal Jesus and what he's done. He is the illustration of God's great love. He is the, the one that became man, God becoming man and communicating to us the great love of God by his work on the cross. Jesus wants to be revealed, but you've got, sometimes you've got to search the scriptures to see him be revealed. Acts 17, 11, here's what it says. It says, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. I love that passage right there. Hey, could I invite you? Could I invite you to check up on me and make sure that I'm teaching the truth? Can you believe a pastor actually said that? Here's why I say that. Because you can't just accept what other people say to you is the scripture. You can't just accept what I say here and expect that to sustain you. You can't just hear it once a week in church. You've got to take it home and you've got to search search through it, research it yourself. It's got to take hold of your heart, got to take hold of your mind, got to take hold of your life. That's the goal. That's the point of church. It's not just me expounding on the scriptures. It's got to be deeper than that. Now, the fourth way I, re I build my life on the rock is I review and remember it with my mind. I review and remember it with my mind. Look at James 1.25. It says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law. So we got that looking intently and continues to do this. Key phrase, not forgetting. Not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. There's a continual nature that this scripture is encouraging, a continual review, continually pondering what the scriptures say. One of the best ways to do this is to memorize something. Because when you memorize a passage like we're going to do over the next six weeks, guess what? You think about it during the day, and it causes something else to happen. It causes meditation. Write it down. Meditation. The Bible term for remembering and reviewing God's word is meditation. And meditation is this going over it over and over again. Now, I, I memorized a lot of scripture when I was a child. I was a, I was a pastor's kid, and I went to, went to a school where they helped us memorize the Bible. And I find it coming out of my life at the most amazing moments. Like I don't even anticipate it coming, and there it is when I'm facing a, a situation or a decision. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does prospers. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will
It is my goal, it is my desire that each of us will have the word so firmly planted in our heart through preparation, through willingness, through openness, through researching it, embracing it, and meditating on it, that we'll be able to do anything the Bible says we can do. We believe it and we start acting on it. But if we, if we don't have it in us, it's hard for it to come out. It's really difficult. It's really difficult if you haven't prepared, if you haven't done what you know to do, that in the middle of the crisis to start doing it. It's like the guy that built his house on the sand. When the storm came, that was not the time to start trying to firm up the walls. <laughs> that wasn't the time to try to re-pour the cement to build the foundation. That was not going to work. But so many of us, that's what we do. We kind of wait. We go along our merry way. We enjoy life. And then a crisis hits, and we haven't done any work to prepare the foundation. And then we try to do it and try to get other people to come. Oh, my life's falling apart. Would you come help me put this foundation in? Ah. And everybody goes, uh, okay, well, I'll help you. But there's almost no way to replace the foundation. The storm passes, and then you're, you're wasted. There's got to be more, and there is more in the scripture. If we'll just listen to it, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be, able to care, may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Final way that we build our lives on the, on the Bible, on the scriptures, on the rock of God, is I respond to it with my actions. I respond to it with my actions. My little boy who is seven years old. His name is Ethan. I got five children. And so he's our fourth born, and he is so much fun. He got baptized a few weeks ago when we had our baptism service here. And so, uh, you know, we go through this process where we're teaching him and training him and encouraging him, and he, he's learning uh, about the Bible. He's learning about baptism. He's learning about what he's responsible for, what God's doing in his life. It's just an awesome process. So the other day, he's yelling at his brother, who's five, Owen. And he's screaming at him, he's frustrated, and he's like, he's just kind of going, and he's about to kind of unleash fury on him. And he says, Owen! And then he stops just like that and says, oh baptized. <laughs> <laughs> he like remembered, he's like, oh, baptized. And then he didn't yell at his brother, and he didn't unleash the fury It was so amazing to watch it happen in him. And what was happening is he was responding to God's work going on in his life. He was responding at seven years old and remembering who he's supposed to be. As a, as a young man who identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that he's dying to himself every day, and it's so painful to watch him. But we've got to respond. Look what James 1.22 says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Matthew 7.24. And we'll finish with this. I want you to read it with me. I'm going to put it on the screen. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. There is no way for you to predict what storms are ahead of you. What storms await you in the year 2012? But I can tell you that if you'll build, if you'll start building your life on the foundation of the scripture and what it teaches us, you'll be able to withstand whatever storm comes your way. Close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that might speak to you, tell you what you need to change, tell you what you need to, to respond to. All over the room, just, just settle your heart and calm, calm your mind and listen to what the Holy Spirit might speak to you. What does he want from you? What is he putting his finger on? What, what can you do to really put his word front and center in your life? How does he want you to reprioritize your time and energy so that the word of God is getting in you? Maybe there's an issue in your heart and your life and you need to apply the word of, the word of God and you, have, you, haven't been, you haven't been willing but today, you're saying to God, I'm willing. It's so important for us to, to take stock of where we are. Some of you may be in a storm right now, and it's a moment for you. And you're just, all you can do is cry out, God, save me. Here's the beautiful thing about God, is he does reached down as he did with Peter in the midst of the storm and pulled him up out of the water. Jesus can do a miracle in your life when you call on him today. So Father, we, we just look to you. We choose to look intently into the word over the next several weeks. We choose to apply it, to receive it, to welcome it, to say, we're wide open. We choose humility over pride. We choose acceptance over subtle resistance. We choose you. Let your word come alive in us, we pray. Now, I just want to pray for one more group of people, just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forward, but I do want to give you a chance to say, I want to commit my life to Christ, maybe for the first time or, or the first time in a very long time. Maybe you found yourself here with a friend and you're thinking to yourself, I, I haven't lived my life according to the word. I've been living according to my own whims, my emotions. I've just been tossed back and forth by the storms in my life. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to follow what you're saying. I want to, I want to listen to the, what God wants to say to me. And you hear him knocking at the door of your heart. You hear him calling you to himself. 
and you want to make a commitment to him, you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Maybe you're renewing your commitment because you've, you've just been away from him. You've just kind of held him at arm's length, but today you want to draw close. He's drawing close to you. And so if that's you, if that describes you today and you want to commit your life to Christ or renew this commitment that is from long ago and say, God, I want to come back to you, just lift your hand up in the air right now all over the room. Is there anyone? Yep, I see you over here. I see you right here. Anybody else? Over here on the side. Really good. Anybody else? Just want to say, yeah, pray for me, Pastor. I, I want to commit my life to the Word of God, to God's truth in me. Anybody else? So good. Yeah, I see you back here, sir. Thank you. Such a good decision. It's such a good thing to make the decision. Anybody else? Jesus loves you. I want you to receive his love and his grace and his mercy all over the room. Would you pray this prayer with me? Everybody just kind of pray it out of your own heart. Mix it with faith. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone in the room say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is the word of God and tells me about your love. I receive that love today. Forgive me for my failures, for my sins, my foolish behavior. Wash me clean. Change my mind. Change my heart. Make me a new person today. I want to follow you. I give my life completely. I commit myself to follow you all the days of my life, to make you Lord and to make you King. Father, I pray for every person that pr prayed that prayer today. Lord, what's going on in the hearts and the souls of every person in this room who's calling out to you, Lord, I pray that you would seal the work that you're doing now with the Holy Spirit. You would protect them as they, as they go from this place. You'd help them to walk firm on the foundation of your word. Help all of us, Lord Jesus, to become the kind of people that will get your word in our hearts, allow you to take hold of us so that we can stand our ground against the storms of life. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts today. In Jesus' name.